0: This is Illinois in Focus, a production of America's Talking Network. I'm Greg Bishop. Coming up, we'll review the week's top stories about a major employer moving their headquarters out of Illinois, more warnings of an energy crunch, and more. Plus, we'll get commentary from the Center Square publisher Chris Krug and regional editor Brett Roland about the planned move of Caterpillar, the upcoming primary election, and more. That's ahead with Illinois in Focus, a production of America's Talking Network. Listen to all our podcasts at AmericasTalking.com. I'm Greg Bishop.
1: If you're tired of the divisive rhetoric in our country today, America's Talking Network is for you. America's Talking Network is a new podcast hub where you can find civil conversations. I want to be a really great American citizen, and I think good American citizens should devote some time to knowing what's happening around them. Where you can find out what's happening in our country.
2: Trucker protests in Canada
1: might be coming to the U.S. Yeah, that's right. The Department of Homeland Security, they sent out basically a memo to law enforcement warning them about this trucker protest. And what's happening right here in our backyard of Illinois.
2: I was just reading a story about carjackings in illinois and that we're already kind of on pace to beat the numbers from 2020 and 2021 where we you know went out of our way to set new records
1: the only agenda that america's talking network has is to get america talking again go to america's talking.com to check out all of our podcasts once again that's america's talking.com
0: This is Illinois in Focus, the production of America's Talking Network. I'm Greg Bishop. Here's some of the top stories from the past week. Illinois-based Caterpillar will soon have its headquarters in Texas rather than the land of Lincoln, making it the second major employer in a month to move their headquarters out of the state. Last month, Boeing announced it will relocate its headquarters from Chicago to Arlington, Virginia. Tuesday, Caterpillar's CEO said their planned move by the end of the year from Deerfield to Texas is in the best strategic interest of the company. Governor J.B. Pritzker told Bloomberg that the hearing of the plan move is disappointing. Illinois House Minority Leader Jim Durkin said it's more than disappointing. It's from bad policies he said state House Democrats refuse to address.
2: I've heard it once. I've heard it a thousand times of what these manufacturers are paying. And there's really little up for them to do. They're getting no relief from uh, the local governments or nor from the state. So it can't say it's one thing. It's many things. But it's, when it go, comes back to it, it's the cost of doing business in Illinois.
0: He said it's not just Caterpillar and Boeing. Uh,
2: Boeing, Caterpillar, Mars, Wrigley. Uh, how does that reflect
0: upon Illinois' business climate? It's not good. Durkin said the governor and Democrats aren't listening to job creators. And you know what? If the governor listened and actually worked with
2: the business community as opposed to working against them, we might not have these problems. We might not have these departures.
0: Since the start of the year, around 10 manufacturers have reported to the state that they're laying off around 1,000 employees. More than 700 of those layoffs were reported in May. Illinois recently ranked 48th in the nation in a poll of CEOs and business owners conducted by Chief Executive Magazine on the state's to-do business in. Forced generation outages above normal temperatures and high congestion are behind the Mid-Continent Independent System Operators Power Advisory issued this week. MISO's Maximum Generation Alert was issued for Wednesday. The announcement's just an advisory and not the elevated warning or event stage. But the next advisories could require electric utilities to request energy conservation or implement rolling blackouts and power outages. At Springfield's municipally owned City Water Light and Power last month, Chief Engineer Doug Brown said, such announcements prompt the utility to inform customers of how to conserve energy and prepare them for what the next possible phases are. The rolling blackout is definitely a last resort. It's something that we don't want to do, um, but in order to support their regional grid, as we're really required to do that. Brown said there are several things that are causing coal-fired power plants to close, adding to the energy crunch. We have to invest over $50 million uh, into those units to make them compliant with the environmental regulations that That's what's happened, you know, regulation after regulation basically has shut down coal plants and uh, we're seeing these, we're starting to see those effects uh, rather rapidly. Last week, Governor J.B. Pritzker contended the green energy law he approved in Illinois that closes coal-fired power plants by 2045 isn't the culprit. He said the law is meant to bring about more energy through investing in alternatives.
3: So what we're talking about this summer is the challenge of making sure that we bring online as much energy as possible. We also are talking about other states, surrounding states, that aren't producing enough energy.
0: An audit of Illinois' state employee pension funds shows they continue to be underfunded. Kevin Bessler reports. A report by the Illinois Auditor General shows
4: for 2021 pension funds for teachers, state universities, state employees, judges, and the General Assembly were about 42% funded. The dismal performance of the stock market this year will negatively affect the Illinois pension system. Jonathan Williams, chief economist for the American Legislative Exchange Council, or ALEC, says it is a double whammy for Illinois taxpayers. But At the same time, these same taxpayers in the private sector are now going to be doubly hit by the idea that there's huge unfunded liabilities across the country, that at the end of the day, taxpayers are liable for these. The audit projects the state's required contribution to the pension fund will be close to $11 billion by the year 2027. A recent ALEC report showed Illinois has the second highest unfunded pension liability per capita in the country. I'm Kevin Bessler.
0: Not even the Illinois Auditor General can show how much fraud there's been in the state's unemployment system. While the audit of the Illinois Department of Employment Security for the year that ended June 30th, 2021, showed the state paid more than 420,000 claimants more than $8.1 billion, the department didn't maintain records sufficient enough to determine the extent of which the financial statements may have been affected. Across Illinois, 19% of cities, including Chicago, Niles, Naperville, and Morton Grove, have reported less than 11 months of data to the FBI related to the amount of crime each city sees, according to a recent analysis. Andrew Hensel has that story. The report done by Axios Chicago
1: also shows that 66 of Illinois departments, including those in Peoria, Huntley, and Crystal Lake, reported no crime at all. State Rep LaShawn Ford said this is the government lying to its citizens.
0: It's alarming to me uh, that we have the government lying to the taxpayer. You know, so that just simply means in Chicago, our
1: streets are less safe
0: and more dangerous than we are being told. Ford said the problem
1: in Chicago is even worse. The fact that Chicago is not telling the
0: truth about the crime statistics in these neighborhoods, which means people should be
1: afraid and you can't believe anything that comes out of the police data. Statements by several departments to Axios blame technical issues as well as the new systems for problems with their reporting.
0: I'm Andrew Hensel. State regulators are currently considering a $38 million proposal for refunds to Commonwealth Edison customers in connection with a federal bribery scandal. Kevin Bessler reports. The utility agreed in a prosecution
4: agreement. It tried to bribe people close to former House Speaker Michael Madigan in an influence campaign. Last December, ComEd proposed paying only $21 million, but attorney Adam Levitt, who represents over 4 million ComEd customers in a class action lawsuit, wasn't satisfied.
0: ComEd's trying to give itself its own Christmas gift on the backs of its own customers. It can't do it.
4: Abe Scar, director of Illinois Purge, a public interest research group, says if approved, the refunds are a drop in the bucket for the utility.
0: If you look at it in the context of the incredible
4: benefits they got from their scheme in terms of the policies passed, literally billions of dollars in profits they're making, $38 million. This is a rounding error for them. ComEd has already agreed to pay a $200 million fine and cooperate with the federal investigation in exchange for an agreement that prosecutors drop a bribery charge against the utility. I'm Kevin Bessler.
0: And Governor J.B. Pritzker denies that he's looking to run for president of the United States in 2024. The governor will be on the road later this week, pitching Chicago as the place for the Democratic National
3: Convention in two years. This is the birthplace of gospel music. It's where Barack Obama is from. Uh, We have a lot to offer uh, in Chicago. We've hosted Democratic conventions before. 1996 was fantastic. Anybody that was around for the Democratic Convention knows that Chicago really showed off well to the entire nation. So We're going to do it again in 2024. Pritzker will also be visiting states with early
0: presidential primaries in two years. Jesse Sullivan, one of six candidates looking to get the GOP nomination for governor, said while Pritzker travels to other states to tease his campaign for president, the people of Illinois are being left behind. Pritzker said he's not running for president.
3: I can't tell you anything other than I love the job that I have. It's why I'm running for reelection as governor of our state. And I intend to uh, continue to do a good job for the people of the state for the next four years. The truth is that uh, I'm going to help other Democratic governors get elected in Massachusetts, in New Hampshire, in Maine, to help raise money, to help get uh, get the word out. Pritzker faces
0: a Democratic primary from Beverly Miles. The election is June 28th. Early voting is ongoing. Those are the top stories from the past week from Illinois. Find more online at americastalking.com. Coming up for Illinois in Focus, commentary from the Center Square publisher, Chris Krug, and regional editor, Brett Rowland. This is Illinois in Focus, the production of America's Talking Network. I'm Greg Bishop.
2: Hello, everyone, and welcome back. For the Illinois in Focus podcast, this is the Crosstalk segment commentary powered by the Center Square. I'm Chris Krug, publisher of the Center Square, joined by editor-at-large Brett Rowland. Brett, filling in for Dan McHale today. How you been, Brett?
5: I've been doing great. I've been having a lot of fun covering things in Texas and a bunch of other states, and coming back to Illinois is uh, going to be interesting.
4: Well,
2: I'm glad that you're, I'm glad that you're, you're back home and, and you're off the road and you're, you're safe. And, you know, I, I would just say, you know, for the audience at home, you're looking spectacular. I I don't know. I don't know what, you know, what your secret is, you know, at your advanced age, but you're, you're well preserved. Keep, keep it up. Thank you. Got a few things to talk about, Brett. Uh, you and I both have had relationship, uh, with the city of crystal Lake. Um, I guess the, the people there can rest easy because there's no crime, literally zero. Uh, also zero crime in Aurora. And what other uh, Illinois cities had zero crime? Uh, Huntley, also McHenry County Town, uh, zero crime. And incredibly, uh, Peoria uh, had uh, uh, zero crime. I think Not they- really. Uh, they just didn't report the crime stats to the FBI. So therefore, they went into the database as zeroes. So what in the world is going on here?
5: So it sounds like a combination of things. Um, one uh, is that they changed the reporting system. So uh, I'm sure that there were, there were people who are used to the old reporting system. The FBI said that it sent out training information and spent money to, to sort of get people trained on the new system for reporting uh, crimes to the FBI. But it doesn't look like that happened in a lot of major cities. And I think that anybody that, who lives in Huntley, Aurora, Crystal Lake, uh, Peoria will tell you um, that, that that there is not zero crime. And I thought that, um, you know, LaShawn Ford makes a really strong point when, when he says that, you know, it's alarming to me that we have a government lying to the taxpayer. It means that in Chicago's our streets are less safe and more dangerous than we were told. So, I mean, that's a real concern, I think.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it- I think we would be making funding decisions based on where the funding is is required, and I think we'd also probably would want to judge the success of our local um, law enforcement based on uh, on reality. And this is not a knock at all on, on our you know our good friends in law enforcement. I mean, this is this is clerical work. I mean, they know that there's crime that's going on out there, but this is a a, a basic reporting mechanism that somehow we gapped i mean in a number in a number of cities which would skew the way that we would ultimately look at the safety of those towns it's, it's I, I don't know it's it's does it i don't understand how that could be i, I don't know how you like the fbi could accept a zero report and and that and that they wouldn't be compelled to deliver data to fill that in and it would roll as a zero
5: Right. I think there's some questions here on both sides. I mean, you'd think that, um, uh, I mean, uh, Crystal Lake is not a small governmental agency. It's, it's fairly large and it has talented people there. So you'd think that that between them and the FBI, they'd be able to communicate there. Um, I, it's, it's the same goes for Peoria and for those other cities too. I mean, it's not like these, uh, there's some real issues here. And, and when it comes to an election year, when crime is a, a top issue, um, uh, it, not only in Illinois but across the country um you know you'd think that they'd get this
2: buttoned up Well, they they got some they got some explaining to do and they've got some work to do so um Dr. Ngazia Zike um you know to pull this back out and talk about state level stuff she was the former Illinois Department um, of Public Health uh spokes person lead doc you know grand poobah you know whatever what, you know whatever you know role that you know that, that she played she's very focal during the pandemic she leaves idph and she goes uh where i mean it you know uh and then and but but what what's the what's the story here she's going to sinai hospital as the as the ceo is that the, is that the deal um, yes and as in what's what's in question here from an ethics standpoint
5: so the the question here is revolving around revolving door and whether if sinai takes state contracts that could present some issues for zk so you, and and illinois has had problems with with ethics and, and top government officials going out to private industry the in industries they used to regulate um, and we've seen this time and time again um, in a lot of different cases. ZK, when she left in March, said, oh, I'm going to spend time with my family. And then in April, um, you know, she turned it around and, and, and wants to take the top job at, at Sinai. So. Yeah. I mean, to me, this is more of the same, and and it's concerning. Now, she says she consulted all the right ethics people at the at the governor's office and at IDPH and got the clearance to go ahead. But um, the BGA, the Better Government uh, Association here in Illinois, has raised some questions about this, and I think they're valid questions that need to be answered.
2: Yeah, that 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 proximity between um, the public sector and the private sector and the regulatory issues that are you know in theory overseen by the state i mean the optics are uh are bad um i i don't know i i think that i I think that transparency wins and and you know we just are not very good at that in, in in illinois i mean in fairness to her where where do you go after you have a job like this i guess you could go to a number of places but um you know i mean uh uh, how many how many of these how many hospitals have relationships with the with the state of illinois mean you know, I, I i would assume a, a lot a lot of them do right but but sinai what what's what what makes this particularly curious in your opinion
5: um i, I think it's just the questions that are surrounding it i mean you'd think for a position this high profile that they would have had to do everything by the book and that um you know and, and it does sound like she at least reached out and, and consulted but I I mean, Illinois lawmakers have been resistant for so long to to real reforms here in ethics and and closing that revolving door. And and it just doesn't seem like that they're willing to actually do it. Um, They want to be able to turn around and go out to private industry and make tons of money um, or or, or lobby the same people they used to work with uh, two weeks ago. Um, So,
2: I mean. Well, and the fact is, with, the, with, with regard to that, I mean, you can leave a legislative role or an administrative role in, inside of government and, you know, on a Friday and then start lobbying at 8 a.m. on Monday morning. Right. There's absolutely there's no cooling off period in Illinois. There's no sideline period. There's nothing. And you can just jump right back, uh, you know, uh, onto the other side of the trough uh, and start eating again.
5: Right. As long as you finish your your term, you can the next morning, you're 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 free to go. And and they've people have been calling for this for
2: probably Chris, probably for decades. And you probably heard it more
5: than than I I think since
2: I've moved to Illinois in in the early 90s. Yeah, I mean, so, yeah, I mean, it's it's not a problem that the people who are participating in it want to fix because it's not it's not to their benefit to fix it. So it won't be fixed. Um, we've talked about ethics and ethics reform, uh, not only on, you know, on the Illinois focus podcast, uh, but you know, I, I think in news planning discussions and conversations around the news and there just doesn't seem to be a whole lot of interest. And as a consequence, you have, you know, uh, an inmates running the asylum scenario. And I, I don't see, I don't see that. I don't see that changing. I mean, I, I'm not even sure how. You, you, you would have how that would change. I mean, um, you, you would have to have a, a, the supermajority, the Democrats supermajority in both the House and the Senate get peeled back for there to be any interest in there being parity, you know, um, to, to those to, to the to the rules. Otherwise, you know, it's not going to happen. And you're absolutely
5: right. It's not in their interest. They don't care to make the change unless uh, taxpayers, voters demand it. I don't think anything's going to get done. And with the level of corruption we've seen in Illinois just in the last 30 years, you'd think that this would be a top priority.
2: Mm -hmm. Um, Governor Pritzker, by the way, you know, with regard to uh, uh, Dr. ZK moving over to Sinai Health, uh, said, you know, effectively, there's nothing there's, there's nothing to see here. Um, And uh, of course is vouching for her, for her character. I mean, she was, she was uh, absolutely lockstep with the governor uh, during the the heat of COVID. And um, I guess I, I wouldn't, and you shouldn't, and nobody out there listening should expect anything other from him. Um, Pritzker's rarely not in the news in Illinois. Switching gears here a little bit. I mean, there's burblings again about Pritzker possibly making a run uh, at the president's office. Uh, also, it it certainly seems like you know the the conversation about the competency of President Joe Biden is getting a little bit more vocal. I mean, when you hear MSNBC and and CNN hosts talking about. The president's age, and I mean, it's the, the you know the undeniable slip-ups and mix-ups and bungled words and slurring and you know incoherency uh, that dots virtually every one of his public appearances. I I think it's safe to say that um, that those who would seek to prop him up or uh, perpetuate his presidency uh, are even caving in a bit. And so now the doors are open to, I guess, um, you know, for those people that are on the left and, and, and in the talk circles to chatter about who might succeed Biden. And uh, J.B. Pritzker's name um, has not been far away from that conversation the, the, the entire time. Um, I don't think that there's a tremendous amount of support or confidence in Kamala Harris um, so, I mean, it's, I guess we're talking about 2024, but Pritzker's saying, don't bother talking about it all because it's not real. What do you believe? What do you think?
5: Well, I think it's interesting that we're having this conversation in the first place. Um, I, I also think it's interesting that Pritzker heading to New Hampshire. Um, you know, I, I put in a freedom of information act request, uh, uh, earlier this year to get uh, the cost of his, uh, Illinois State Police escort to um, to Glasgow, and uh, they've so far denied me the overtime costs, um, and that's going to have to be appealed. It's onerous. And-
2: that's onerous, Brett. <laughs> How dare you?
5: Well, here's the interesting thing on that one: they provided me with all the receipts that the ISP, uh, Illinois State Police, spent on that trip, but they're refusing to pro- provide uh, overtime costs for some reason, hmm. saying that the request is too broad. But. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, this is this. I mean, Pritzker going to New Hampshire. It's going to be another state escort. It's going to be another, uh, you know, tens of thousands of dollars for taxpayers. And and to do what? It, it's unclear to me what he's going to accomplish in New Hampshire. Um, when we've got, you know, you you could say that the state is nearly, you know, in fiscal crisis. It's yes, we've got a lot of federal money that's keeping us afloat, but there's huge problems here in Illinois from crime on down to uh, underfunded pensions.
2: Yeah. Well, and I mean, in the, in the, the story that we reported um, was this fact. I mean, it was, you know, in December, the New York Times re- even reported that Pritzker had, quote, talked privately about his interest in seeking the White House at some point, should the opportunity arise. Well, uh, that sounds a little bit like the conversation he had on tape with Rob Blagojevich about, you know, if the opportunity should arise. Um, but then Pritzker said to reporters back here in Illinois on Wednesday, that he, you know, he was not "quote unquote" testing the waters, and that's Greg—that's Greg Bishop's language, not not Pritzker's, But on the record, uh, Governor Pritzker said, "The truth is," so, so I mean, it's important. He started his quote is, "The truth is, I'm going to help other Democratic governors get elected in Massachusetts, in New Hampshire, in Maine, to help raise money, to help get the word out. I can't tell you anything other than I love the job that I have." That's why I'm running for re-election as governor of our state, and I intend to continue to do a good job for the people of the state for the next four years. Okay.
5: I mean that—that's a lot from a man who's been caught on a lot of wiretaps saying a lot of things, um, and you know, there's many people out there who haven't forgotten the toilet incident, right? Um, Where, I mean. That's great that he has three hundred thousand dollars to pony up when he gets caught doing something wrong, but uh, not everybody has that. But he, he seems to be given a pass time and time again, um, and gets away with with doing this kind of thing. Uh, you know, when Illinois has some serious issues that that yeah, I think that require uh, his attention and the attention of voters.
2: It's one of those things. It's like you know, you talk about like the, the 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 fairness in you know in politics and the the spending and. Um, you know, if you have a fortune like, uh, you know, uh, Governor Pritzker does, I mean, it's not somebody else's fortune, you know, where you're like, you know, you're a candidate and, you know, you're fortunate enough to have, you know, someone who has the means to support your candidacy. It's yours. It's your career. It's at your direct disposal. Um, he has really spent a boatload of money. And I'm talking about Governor Pritzker to overwhelm any reporting around the things that are negative that are that are factual that i mean it's this is not like people like mudslinging and making stories up i mean jb pritzker has like really gotten what amounts to be a pass but not really because he's gotten criticized in the past for the things that he's done that have been wrong but overwhelmed it you know with his own spending to positively spin whatever it's whatever it is that he's been doing for the last three and a half years and and before he got elected, you know uh, whatever he had in theory done in the in the private sector, kind of fascinating. Um, on the political front, in terms of the gubernatorial candidates, and you know you know we're we're getting very close now. Uh, of course, early voting ha- is open, has been open now for, I don't know, two, three weeks, maybe our primary is the 28th. Uh, we're taping this on Thursday, June 16th. So 12 days out would be, you know, the grand finale, the last day, the traditional primary election day, um, polls are, are, are starting to come fast and furious. We had originally reported a poll that suggested that, um, uh, Aurora Mayor Richard Irvin, you know, held a, uh, a lead and boy, oh boy, since then I've seen nothing from a polling standpoint that suggests that Irvin uh, is hanging in there. And it really looks like uh, Darren Bailey, the senator from uh, state center from Xenia, um, has really taken some level of control uh, at this point, point. 31 percent. Now it's still is absolutely a fractionalized group, but in the in the plurality here, I mean uh, Bailey, thirty-one percent; Irvin, just under seventeen percent; Jesse Sullivan hanging out at around eleven percent; Gary Rabine at seven point seven percent; Paul Schimpf at just under three percent; and uh, Max Solomon, um, you know, uh, bringing up the rear at about one uh, percent, slightly under. So. Um, what do you make of this, uh, of the field and, uh, and of, of the more recent polling?
5: So the polling from Ogden and Fry, I mean, it, it's a well-repeated uh, polling firm. And, and the numbers, uh, they surprised me, to be honest, uh, Chris. I mean, I wouldn't, I, I had expected Irving to sort of jump out uh, to, to a quick lead and hold on to that. But um, the winds don't seem to be blowing that way. Um, Bailey seems to have gotten a, a big boost. Um, it'll be interesting to see if, uh, if, if Trump weighs in, I don't know that he'll, he'd come to a governor's election, but I think he'll definitely weigh in on some of the, um, se- Senate and the house races in Illinois. Um, but it, it's, it's going to be interesting to see what happens here. I think, um, voters may have had enough of, uh, of what's going on, uh, statewide that they may be willing to make a change, but, As you pointed out earlier, Pritzker's got a fortune and, um, you know, it's it's a billionaire's fortune. He's estimated to be worth more than $3 billion, uh, largely from uh, being a heir to the Hyatt fortune. And I don't think that he's going to go down without a fight. So, you know, it's going to take deep pockets and it's going to take voters uh, who are are motivated for change. And I don't know that um, we have enough information yet to, to even see what that that would shape up like but i think that it would be very interesting to see bailey and pritzker go head to head i mean there we've got people with two very different visions for the state right um and and that would would certainly test uh, some some different ideas out um and different uh you know policies out for what 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 do illinoisans want And i think it'd be an interesting race to watch
2: i mean you talk about a you know uh um contrasting personalities. Um, and, uh, you know, I mean, you know, the, 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 like the differences perceived differences in Illinoisans. I mean, I, you know, Darren Bailey, I think is a quintessential, you know, in the, in the eyes of, of, of Northern Illinoisans, you know, people that are like Chicago centric. So collar County people, they would think of Darren Bailey, I believe as a, as a downstate, you know, a downstate Illinois, um, legislator. And, you know, I mean, we've spent time downstate, both you and I, I mean, you know, like in the Southern part of the state, um, and, and what they would have to say about, uh, governor JB Pritzker, uh, would not stand up to FCC standards. Um, they're not, they're, they're not fans. So I guess it becomes a matter of like, where does the middle go, uh, on this and what the, um, Who's going to come out and, um, and, you know, who's going to, who's going to represent It's a, this is a, I mean, if it goes this way, I mean, it's still t- to be determined. I mean, polls are polls and, and, vo- and votes are votes. Uh, I, I just did say that out loud, you know I mean? But I I, 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 still believe that. So it'll be interesting to see what happens here in the, in the coming, uh, in the coming 12 days and who makes it through and then what it looks like from there. That could be really, really interesting. Regardless, I mean, I think J.B. Pritzker defending his record through COVID, where he largely managed, you know, the state on his own, sent the legislature, uh, you know, or kind of set the legislature aside, ruled by executive order. He, for better or for worse, and I mean, I think that, you know, most Illinoisans would probably say for worse, managed the state independently. Um, Darren Bailey was probably his biggest tormentor and detractor during that time. And so I guess, you know, is it, does this, if Darren Bailey comes through, is this a referendum on the management of uh, the state during the COVID era and, and, you know, the aftermath, which, you know, I mean, Dan and I, and I I believe you and I at one point in time talked about this, um, you know, and and I, I mean, I said this not not like it was a a profit of any kind, but, you know, it's really easy to shut an economy down, which in Illinois, we were all in on that. And that was Governor Pritzker's, you know, doing, you know, it's two weeks to flatten the curve became two years of, I don't know what, and then, and now whatever it is that, you know, that we're living in where, you know, uh, food prices are insane. Gasoline prices are more insane. And, uh, you know, uh, the, the general population is pretty edgy. Um, that's where we are today, uh, What comes of this head-to-head between Pritzker and Bailey if that goes, if that is the way that it that it goes down, I think will be fascinating to watch.
5: Agreed. I think I couldn't I couldn't imagine a more interesting matchup to to watch than than those two.
2: So, um, um, moving right along here, a couple other things I wanted to talk about. You know, um, there's there's talk about electricity uh, being uh, at risk. Uh, not just here, you know, uh, in Illinois, but in other places around the country. And it simply has to do with uh, with production um, I mean, and distribution. I mean, it's can, can you offer some insight into this? I mean, we're getting warned at this point that, that that there will be an energy crunch this summer, quite potentially. You know, the idea of brownouts and blackouts is something we haven't had to talk about that's been a California problem, uh not an Illinois problem, but it's looking like it's, it's going to be an Illinois problem. And, um, you know, what do, what do we need? What do we need to know? What's driving this, first of all?
5: I mean, part of it's the heat and, and just energy usage in general in summer. But I mean, the, there's there's changes going on with, with Illinois it's energy grid. And, and there are concerns that, that possibly about rolling uh, brownouts or blackouts. Uh, in Illinois. And, it, and we haven't heard, I mean, this, you're, you're absolutely right. This is a California problem. This, this is a, uh, you know, a West coast problem and, and hasn't been an issue here, but, uh, it's starting to crop up and it looks like, you know, Illinois is not out of the woods. So, um, now there, there's a, a bunch of things for that, uh, reasons for that. One is the abnormally high t- temps, and, um, you know, just the usage of the grid. And we haven't hit any major problems yet, but uh, just to even be talking about this, I think is a little bit concerning.
2: For those people who live up north, you know, as we talk about energy, you know, comment has been in the headlines, you know, for uh, very specific reasons uh, r- related to with the connection to uh, Michael Madigan. Of course, Michael Madigan is under a 22 count indictment Comet has already settled uh, with federal prosecutors and paid a $200 million fine. Um, It's looking as if if state regulators have their way that there will be $38 million uh, settlement. This is a proposal where ComEd will be paying back uh, households, users of their service and wait for it, five bucks, uh, we would, uh, each be getting back for the, uh, shenanigans that, uh, that they've, uh, uh, pled guilty to, uh, to doing the, the rates never went back down. Uh, we get five bucks. Um, in my view, keep it, you know, keep your five bucks, you know, but, uh, you want to color this up a little bit, add some texture.
5: I do like the idea, Chris, of them having to give a little money back. I think it should be a lot more than they're than, than offering right now. I think they started at 22, and now they're up to 38. Um, and there's still some people out there who are saying it needs to be more. Um, I don't think combat's learned its lesson, and I certainly don't think anybody
2: in Springfield has learned from this. Um, I guess it's know. kind of bananas, though, right? You know, I mean, you, you, know, you, you ask a public utility to, 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 to pay, the, you know, to pay the, the payers back, I mean, and, and I mean, are we stupid? Do we not think that we're gonna, just going to be paying for the payment? I mean, it's like, where does the money come from? I mean, it comes from us. I mean, it's so, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, yeah, it should be more. Does it matter in the grand scheme of things? Probably not. It, it, it's it's and it's, it, it's just kind of insulting, I guess, on some level you know
5: not only i think is it insulting i think it's you know just it's emblematic of of a lot of the problems that we see in springfield year in and year out where we've got um you know utilities trying to be regulated by the state but you know currying favor with campaign donations um with jobs with um board seats i mean the allegations here are are just uh, m- mind boggling. It's like, how could this be happening? And then, uh, the net result for, for the rate payers, five bucks back. I mean, uh, I think you're absolutely right to call it insulting.
2: You can get yourself maybe, um, with $5, you know, as we head into, you know, uh, the July 4th holiday, you probably could get a pack of hot dogs for $5 uh, nowadays. Maybe if they're on sale, if you're, if you're just getting like the you know, pig snout, uh, you know, glorified baloney, hot dog. Um, I'm not sure you're going to get a pack of Vienna beefs for that, my friend, but, uh, yeah, thanks. Uh, thanks a lot. Uh, ComEd and, uh, and, uh, regulators. Uh, all right. All right. L- enough, enough on that. That story just, a- it just aggravates me. Um, as you may have noticed, uh, the stock market's not doing so well. Um, the the uh, it, it, it's it's in fact as we as we tape this, I keep getting alerts in my phone. Uh, the Dow's now down 500, and uh, I'm like, oh, that's no good. I'm like, then I get a new one. The Dow's down 700. So uh, I literally threw my phone across the room. So it's I probably won't be making any new alerts, uh, and if it does, I won't have to hear them. When the stock market goes down whether you're directly invested in that or indirectly invested in that through a retirement plan, um, or if you live in a fantasy land and you don't know where pensions, pension funding, you know, gets its uh, actual money, um, just a real quick timeout uh, and reality check. It's not good for anybody when the stock market goes down. And the public pensions in this state are already a problem. If the market is not going up, uh, that's not good. And if the market is going down the way that it's going down, that's absolutely 100% not good. And that's where we are right now. The stock market, I believe, actually even got under the Dow got under 30,000 today for the first time in I don't know how long, 2008 or something like that, some crazy number. What's going on with the public, uh, with, the, with the state and pension investment as it pertains to the market, Brett? Andrew Hensel from the center square, Illinois wrote about it this week. So
5: uh, Andrew's got some, some, some good facts in here. Um, the, the markets uh, really taken a, a downward turn here and, and it is going to affect everybody. Um, it's going to, but uh, uh, the, the biggest concern for taxpayers here is that um if these pension funds don't make uh, what they've projected to make on the, in the market, uh, taxpayers are going to end up making up the difference. So that's a cost to taxpayers. Now, there's some... And, and, um,
2: and the targets are... I mean, the targets have been... I'm going to say, like, pushing it. Like, I mean, the, the, you know, bull market, which is now we're definitely in a, not in a bull market anymore. But in a bull market, the idea of, like, hanging a target of, like, 7% up there every year is... Pretty risky, and that's what we were doing. Um, and yet we still have it unfunded, we still have a gap, right? Even with the crazy targets that we have now, I mean, the market's down in the last hundred days or so. Um, I mean, people I know that are that are even like conservatively invested are down 30%. This is like a rehash of what happened in March 2020 when you know when the, the country was basically. Uh, Dr. Fauci said, uh, by the way, Dr. Fauci has COVID. I don't know if you, if you, if you saw that I Hope and, and uh, thoughts and prayers to him. But um, when Dr. Fauci convinced, you know, the federal government that it, it really needed to take a stance and the market just f- completely fell apart, lost about 30 percent in a matter of a couple of days. Um, this is we are kind of at that same inflection point right now.
5: Right. Um, and and the, and the state's pensions are already underfunded. the the only saving grace here might be the the what what's called smoothing. So in order to sort of get rid of some of those fluctuations in the market, they'll account, they have they'll use three years with the data to sort of smooth out how much the state has to pay into the pension system. So mm-hmm. that will blunt the impact somewhat. But if the market continues to go down, uh, taxpayers can expect to be paying more to to retired workers uh through pension payments um which already account for about 25 percent of the state's general fund spending right. so um i mean that that's 25 percent that are going to to people who, who no longer work for the state and it's hard to manage uh all your bills and, and stuff like that when, when a quarter of it off the top is going to pensions uh pensioners were were, were promised the world um and and the Supreme court has, has upheld the the pension protection clause in Illinois. And and some of the folks that I was talking to last week, uh, nationally were saying, you know, Illinois is in rough shape and and the only two ways out are, um, a change to the state constitution or some sort of federal bailout. Yeah. I mean, um, so Alec, the American legislative exchange council,
2: right? So they, they you know they did their their annual report on you know in rich states and poor states and 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 of course then they, they got into the actual like pension liabilities and the unfunded part. I mean, you know, these numbers have been reported a few different ways by a, a number of different organizations. I mean, I think Alex numbers are they're chilling. I mean, five hundred and thirty-three billion, so a half a trillion dollars. Um, in an economy like Illinois, where, uh, by the way, I mean, you know, we're going to move on and talk about this. I mean, Caterpillar, you know, which was one of our last remaining, you know, big manufacturing companies in the state and they're moving to Texas. They're leaving Illinois. They announced that this week. I mean, this hole is just, I mean, it's just, get, it's big and it's getting bigger. And, and if we're in a, if we are in a, an extended period of um, I don't even know. I mean, I guess would. I mean, we're we're going from prosperity to austerity. I mean, this is going to be a dis- this is going to be a a, dis- a disaster that that none of us has seen before. Um, I was a boy in the '70s, and I remember you know how difficult it was. And I um, mean, talk about like what austerity looked like. Uh, that's that's as close to austerity as I've ever seen and and certainly generations that have preceded me and, and and you they've they've seen as bad or worse this just looks like uh, territory that maybe we're not ready for yeah i mean I, if you're an
5: illinois taxpayer you know hold on like wait i mean uh, the 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 bills coming um these pensions are going to have to be paid I don't think a federal bailout's likely Alex numbers. Uh, are you a- Alec calculates them using a, a risk-free discount? Um, and, and I think that those numbers are scary. Um, and anybody who's watching Illinois pensions or who has watched Illinois pensions in the last decade should be worried.
2: Last thing I wanted to talk about was, um, uh, this Illinois Invest in kids school choice program. Um, it's set to expire in, 2023. But there is an enhancement under new law. Can you can you kind of explain sort of what this Illinois is not uh, would be ranking near the bottom if not at the bottom for school choice for parents. Um, It's yeah, you have a choice. You send your kids to public school, the public school that's in your you know, that's in your community, uh, or you pay to send them to private school. And uh, even the most modestly priced private schools are thousands of dollars uh, a year. And then, of course, you still pay your property tax uh, and you're paying that property tax. This is an FYI, whether you are an owner or a renter, property tax is being paid by you in one way, shape or form. Um, But can you talk about this program and what that, you know, uh, what it's all about?
5: So, yes. Yeah, so this Invest in kids program is a scholarship program that helps, um, families, most of whom, um, would qualify for, for low in, as low income. It helps them to, to pay for private school and donors to the program, uh, get a tax rebate. Um, so this program has been a while around for a while. It was one of the few things that the former governor Bruce Rauner managed to get through, uh, that was on his agenda. Um, uh, Democrats immediately pounced on it, tried to kill it. It stayed alive because it's so popular with the people who are using it. Um, The system was absolutely flooded with applications for funding. Uh, People desperately wanted this scholarship program. And now politicians uh, uh, on the Democrat side are begrudgingly keeping it. Um, And it's only because of its popularity. I think that if, if they thought they could get away with killing it, they would. But they know that it's too popular to go away, um, which I think is very
2: interesting. Yeah, I mean, the, I mean, it, it obviously, it serves a good. It, it it's something when we we look at it. I mean, gosh, wouldn't it be great if everybody had a choice, and that you didn't have to rely on whatever the quality of your local government school was? I mean, we're taxpayers are paying for it, and government is saying. Uh, no, 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 no. You either go here or you or you, or you don't. Um, the fairness of that doesn't sit well. COVID, without question, Brett, as you and I both experienced, boy, that, that opened up some people's eyes as to really what was going on in school or what wasn't going on in school and uh, the quality of, of public education. Um, certainly... You know, it would have been nice to have a choice then because parochial schools, private schools, Montessori schools, you know, schools that, you know, that are, that are operated outside of the government, they met in person and um, no major problems from a health standpoint. Lo and behold, very much underreported public schools, couldn't make it work, educated kids for the better part of two years from home. By computer. And now, you know, I mean, our, our kids, you know, our kids are having, like, the stats are, stats are, are out. Um, they're, they're readily available. The number of kids across the state who read at grade, at grade level in uh, the younger grades, it's not good. Uh, and then certainly, you know, if you fall behind at the beginning, you, you don't necessarily catch up at the end.
5: Right. Um, and, and, I mean, Chris, I think you and I both experienced this firsthand through, through, our, through our children. I th- um, my my eldest went to, to private school during the first year of the pandemic. Um, and, you know, I don't think he would have learned to read or write so well had he not been in person. Um, I can, I, you know, I just I don't know how you teach those skills over the computer. Um, and then, you know, it's, you know, t- to have the schools closed as long as they were and the problems that they're now facing despite just being flush with federal cash just in i mean trillions of dollars have gone to, to public schools and it doesn't seem to be making a difference <laughs> i know that i believe chris that your school district um is offering additional remote learning this summer for those who want to sign up as if that was a, a an option yep. um
2: let's fix it by going back to the actual problem uh uh genius we uh we did not partake in that um, uh, in in that uh, at all. Um, but you know, I mean, look, hey, I think for a lot of us who hadn't thought about it and maybe judged, you know, what was happening in schools on the experiences that we had when we were younger people, uh, it was eye opening. And you know, maybe it will be transformational with regard to attitudes in the state about what is what is possible and what what can be. You know, we have a tendency to think about how things are through our own experiences, right? Not, not aware of like it being different somewhere else. But there are a lot of states that have far, far more choices with regard to what you can do, you know, with your students, where you can send them. And in some states, the dollars that are attached to a student can be transferred and utilized anywhere. The value of that is competition. You know, I mean, like, I don't have anything necessarily against, you know, my local public school. Right, I'm not wild about how they teach what they teach and the idea of teaching to the, you know, the philosophical idea of like teaching to the center of the class. Um, We have not seen some of the wacky, you know, critical race theory stuff dropped in. You know, we're not necessarily, you know, hearing things, and you know, in our district, uh, not at the elementary level, but you know, about you know, um, equity and you know, equity of outcome and and whatnot. Um, but from the standpoint of quality and the delivery of service, quality is a result of competition, and there's no competition, so there's not another school or a you know a char a charter school or you know, something else that, that you know, uh, we would have an option to, to switch to. So once it's kind of like once you're in and I think a lot of parents, you know, are in the same boat. Once you put your kids in and start them in, in, a, in, a, in a certain place, it becomes difficult to pull them out, even if it were in their best interest to do so, because there's an economic question that you have to answer. And then there's a social question that you have to answer your kids start to make friends The kids are going to school with the other kids in the neighborhood um you know it just it becomes a little bit more complex than uh, the choice to shift somewhere else because of those factors that i had just outlined yeah it's,
5: it's it's pretty bleak um when you look at the choices in illinois especially when you look at a state like texas where it's all open um, now, the Texas' system certainly is far from perfect, and, and I think that, you know, improvements can be made everywhere, but in Illinois, I mean, unless you are uh, rich, um, it's very difficult to, to go to private school, and, you know, even if you are, uh, private school is just not cheap, and, and you're still going to end up paying your local school district no matter what through those property taxes. Yeah. What, yeah, and just like you pointed out, whether it's rent or whether you own, you're paying those property taxes.
2: Brett, I appreciate you joining me today. Always a pleasure.
5: Thanks for having me, Chris.
2: For Brett Rowland, it's been Chris Krug. You've been listening to the Illinois in Focus podcast. This was the Crosstalk segment, commentary powered by the Center Square. Now over to Greg Bishop for a look at what the Center Square Illinois will be working on next week.
0: Next week, there will be just one full week left before the June 28th primary election. The team from the Center Square will lay out who's on the ballot and what's at stake heading into the November midterm elections. Visit thecentersquare.com slash Illinois for the latest. This has been Illinois in Focus, a production of America's Talking Network. I'm Greg Bishop.